0: So, I should have known reading the lactionary at the end of last week, the apocalypse, all is descended in doom. I should have been able to predict the election result right there. But getting up on Wednesday morning, certainly that was a passage that seemed to be relevant to where we might be. But we'll get there eventually let me take you instead to Ballymena Race View Golf Club in 1978 I think it's early August it's an East Antrim League match Junior East Antrim League match and um, I think I only lost one of those in three years so I was a proud player and captain of the team in the East Antrim League and I was two or three down with uh, about six or seven holes to play and I thought it was alright but what we did us late mid-teens we got the little 11 year olds to carry our bags. Dear love them. But, you know, they were, I don't know what height, but they were carrying the bags of us guys because they weren't playing. So I had Paddy Kearney in my bag. And we got to a par three. And we, no, we didn't. We got to a par four, and he, he comes up to me and he hands me the driver that I needed, and he says, Tell him about the out of bounds on the right. Tell him about the out bounds on the right. Emphasis them out of bounds on the right. Listen to Paddy. I says, By the way, there's out of bounds on the right here. Well he was so far left the guy That I won that hole and come back into the match So we get on to a par 3 And Paddy hands me a 5 iron Swing that I'd obviously lost a hole in between Because I wasn't on the tee again And I started swinging this 5 iron Very confused about why Paddy might have given me a 5 iron At the length of this hole The other guy stands up with his 5 iron And hits it halfway down the fairway Paddy hands me the 4 wood And I put mine in the middle of the green Paddy Kearney guys 11 years of age. What is he doing now, I wonder? I should have said Donald Trump, guys. I wonder what he's doing now. But anyway, we go to the 16th, and that's where this whole story happens. On the 16th tee, um, I was back on the tee, and I hit the most incredible tee shot of my entire life to about five feet from the pin with another four wood, I think. And the other guy hits it 50 yards right. I mean, he's in the car park away over there. He's almost at mediation network he's so far off and i'm you know it's all square we're going up the 16th hole i'm about five feet from the hole he's away out there and i'm thinking this is mine to take thank me buddy kearney i'm the winner today he pitches short of the green <laughs> and i just going oh yes i am almost doing cartwheels he pitches his next one. Oh, it's the worst pitch you've ever seen in your life it hits the flagstick near the top and falls into the hole. (laughs) I wish I was exaggerating this story, but I'm really not. Now, in the last 20 yards to the green, my whole being has been shaken. And, of course, you missed the five-foot putt, and we're all square up the 17th. Now, in that moment, as a 16-year-old pre conversion to jesus i took something away with it that i think was a life lesson always 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 be ready for the other guy to pitch in always be ready for the quake and the shock election result and the wind that blows out of nowhere and takes something from you whether it's your health or a loved one or whatever Because I wasn't ready to deal with it, because I least expected it. Always be ready to deal with what you don't expect. Peterson translates some of the words after the passage we've read, still in Luke 21. It will seem like all hell has broken loose sun, moon, stars, earth, and sea in an uproar, and everyone all over the world is in a panic. The wind knocked out of them by the threat of doom. The powers that be quaking. Could be a Facebook status in the week that's past. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Let me take you to six weeks ago. Philip Moore was with me and we were talking about what we did a couple of weeks ago in the evening. And we were talking about some other stuff we want to do later in the year. About how we engage with the loyalist community and we were talking about Donegal Pass and I'd said about the uh, memorial stone being here and so Philip said I'd like to see that stone so we came round, and we stood at the stone the memorial stone just right out there as you're going out today if you go out that way before you come round for coffee please come round for coffee then have a look at it so I'm looking at it I'm looking at the names and I'm looking at the years that people went to war or passed away and Philip is the historian so he was looking for more so he looked, and I'm not sure you can chag it with me when you go out. It was sometime, I think, maybe around 1973, that there's this little tiny plaque that says, Relocate it. July it might have been, 1973. And Philip goes, Now that's an interesting date. I wonder what was going on when it was moved from here, from there to here. I wonder what was happening in the streets around us. I wonder what the political situation was like. That's what fascinates us historians, he said. That would be an interesting thing for me to go away and look at. And so he leads us into this passage today. Because you can look at this passage and you can see it as Jesus talking about the temple gonna be destroyed in around 33 AD. Around that time, if we take the 33 years and we think maybe there'll be investigations about that. Was it 30? Was it 33? But around somewhere between thirty and thirty-three A.D., Jesus is talking about the temple and he's predicting that it's going to be destroyed. I mean, this is this is beautiful that the disciples are saying, "Look at this place! Isn't this, this is incredible?" It's almost Herod's Trump Tars, by the way. Herod has made it this beautiful place, but as well as that, it's obviously the, the soul of Judaism. And we've been there with Jesus now for a couple of Sundays. And we're aware that what's going on in this temple and the importance of this temple. And when he set out for Jerusalem, that this was part of the deal for getting to Jerusalem. And and he set out to when he would be taken from them, that this was part of that journey. An important part of that journey. In fact, the climactic part of that journey. And we're looking at the temple and we're looking around and it's incredible. And Jesus says to them about 33 AD, he says to them, it's going to be destroyed. It's just going to be... there's a pitch in there's a hitting the flag at the top and dropping in but you see Philip would have been saying <clears throat> when, were the, when when did Luke write this you see it happened Jesus said the words in about 33 AD but when did Luke write this down now because of Philip and this, and this memorial stone I've been looking at that a wee bit more detail than I normally do this week And some people would say it was pre-70 AD, but most people would say it was after 70 AD, but it was certainly around late 60s, and some would say probably 70 AD or 80 AD or whatever else. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Because 70 AD was when the words of Jesus came true. That's when the temple did come down. 66 to 70, that's when the Jews revolted, and the Romans came in heavy-handed, and by 70 they've got to Jerusalem, and they're taken in the walls and suddenly the temple's destroyed and Luke's writing about something Jesus said 40 years earlier into the midst of the history of his own particular day and time and we've got to read this in those kinds of terms because when Luke was editing what Jesus was saying, he was saying it's really important that when the apocalypse comes as it was for the Jews, for the temple to be ripped down that I'm telling them something that Jesus spoke into such a situation that they might be ready for it coming or they might be able to find some sense in what has just arrived and what has just come and what they're actually just living through at this point in time that's the context of this text and its time looking at where it was written 66 AD the Jews of Judea rebelled Nero dispatched an army down in. By 68, the resistance in the northern part of the province had been eradicated. And then in 70, the attackers had breached Jerusalem. And Luke is sharing in the midst of that apocalypse. Forgive me for being trite, but you understand why I'm using it as an illustration. In the midst of that pitch in to their souls and the quaking of their world. And today we're remembering one particular apocalypse johnny's song as i was thinking in the words of that song start off with almost uh, a naivety an innocence about those young men who went off to war because nobody knew that it was going to get as brutal as it did in fact if you uh, watch any of the history of it and there was i think there was a program even on last night um, that philip was pushing us to watch and we were out and we didn't get the chance to see it but if you watch the footage, you can see even in film footage of the time that the young men going off to war in 14 and, and early 15 are almost out there having a bit of a blast. They're kicking a football around and they're mucking about with their mates. But by the time it comes to late 15 and we're into 1916 and we get towards the Somme, then the reality of what is going to happen is just beyond our thinking or prophetic thinking as Young men from the Crescent, from Donegal Pass or Fitzroy as they went there. So they went to see the world. They were maybe unemployed or maybe they just thought, what an opportunity to go and serve my country. They didn't think that they would be involved in this incredible battle that we talk about a hundred years later. And so we remember them today, caught up as they were, in nothing short of a world-quaking life-changing, life-losing event. But we can't lose Leonard Cohen's words either. I've seen your flag on the marble arch. Love is not a victory march. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. And when we wear our puppies, we need to be doing that. We need to be coming with humility. But we also need to be seeing Syria. Syria and some of the pictures we're seeing on the news of people of all of our ages, not just our young people, who are living through literally hell on earth at this moment in time. Apocalypse, reality around them as we meet here in church. In even more inhumane ways, perhaps, than we've known in the past. As we remember war this morning, we remember those who lived through the hell of war, And we remember those who are living through the hell of war. earthquake. And to be perfectly honest with you, it seems trite in the midst of that kind of stuff to even talk about Donald Trump. Because who knows? Nobody does. What is actually going to happen? But for many people, particularly friends in America, it was a pitch in. It was a quake they didn't expect. And they were getting up on Wednesday morning and there's still riots in the streets because there's really many, many of them who don't understand it. But let's get our facts right. If we call ourselves, if if we call ourselves evangelical Christians, then 86% of them voted for him. I'll be honest, that's the biggest quake for me. I don't think he'll do much. He's not going to build a wall. He's not going to send people home. He's not going to have any different opinion on abortion, actually, than Hillary Clinton, which is why they all voted for him. But evangelical Christianity today, Trump pitched in, and it's in tatters across the world. You can group women. You can bully people. You can hate races. You can build walls against refugees. And evangelical Christians, 86% of them, will vote for you. That's a quake in my soul, guys. I do not understand that. My Bible does not read me that. I just cannot for the life of me. And I thought it was some right-wing Christian leaders that were leading to this. And then I discovered this week that it's a, one of the main players was a church that many churches in Belfast send their young people to worship conferences at. And I'm even more quaking in what it is to be Christian in 2016 in a world of Donald Trump as president. But that doesn't even... That's not even the worst bit of this. It's the bully in our children's schools who go in and attack the girls in the playground Or who push around the boys in the playground, or don't like the little black kid or the coloured kid in the playground, who it used to be a behavioural travesty that you would do that, who can now say, Well, the president does it. The most powerful man in the world does this. Why should I not be doing it? That probably will be the longest recovery. Not what he said, not the policies he brings in but the behavioural patterns of our world now that these things have been endorsed. So a friend yesterday in America said her coloured friend waited for her outside playgroup on Friday because she wouldn't go in on her own anymore because she needed a white friend to take her in because she was scared of what she would get on the other side. So black people in America are being told to sit at the back of the bus because those days are gone, folks, and we're back to where it was because Trump's the president. This is a quick. This is a quake and a whole layering of things. And I have friends on Facebook defending him as a good Christian man because the guy that stood with him, Pence, is a Christian. That should say all you need to know about Donald Trump. And I'm quick. I'm quaking. But let's get back to Luke because those are my political opinions and you can ignore them all. Luke tells us something here that I think we've got to hold on to when we remember wars. Not only wars that have been, but wars that are happening around us. He says something to us, whatever happens in the political realms of our day. He says a couple of things to us that we really, really need to remember. The first one's in verse 18. But not a hair of your head will perish. Remember... The context of the writing of this. This is a reality for the people listening to it. The temple has been torn down. The Romans are in town. And the Romans are doing a bit of bullying themselves. And they're trying to hold on to this very, very new faith. Which actually hasn't even many gospels. They probably had Mark at this stage. So it's 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 an interesting time for the people who believe in 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 god and and jesus words from the temple in those times Luke's taking them and he's putting them into this place and he's saying there's a couple of things we need to understand here And the couple of things that i'm drawing out that we need to understand and there may be more today There's actually three This will give you an opportunity to testify an opportunity for all of us to witness to jesus that this will, uh, that the hair, not a hair on your head will, be, will perish, and by your endurance, in verse 19, you will gain your souls. Opportunity. The opportunity we have as the people of God today, evangelical Christian, let other people label us. I mean, that's another thing that for me personally, and this is personal, but it's a very important thing personally. Christians did not call themselves Christians. Other people called Christians Christians. You know I'm happy with that. I go over and lift Johnny's guitar and put it all around my neck and strum it am I a guitarist I could call myself a guitarist I might even be able to play E&G for you am I a guitarist I could call myself a guitarist but when you play the guitar and somebody else looks at you and says you're a guitarist you see the difference there Let's not label ourselves anything arrogant, or smart, or better, or above. Let's just follow Jesus and see if other people think. How we live gives us the name of Christ in us, or Jesus-like, or whatever else. But in the world that we live in today, the post-Trump election, there are women in our world, there are girls growing up who need to know that they're valued, in a world that has just devalued them really big time. Never mind the fact that some would say that one of the other many reasons Trump got in was because he was, we didn't want another black president and we didn't want a woman because a woman couldn't do it. We need to tell our girls, we need to tell the women of our world that they are valued in an apocalypse that has just told them they are not. We need to go to other races. Other than our white, middle class or blue collar who we have to listen to because something happened there that we need to listen to the vote from that side of the house and say what is the cry coming from there that they would vote for somebody who will be worse for them than the people that were there before them but those of us who are white need to be saying to other races in our city right now who might suffer and have suffered post-brexit the same abuse that some of them are suffering in america post-trump because they feel that that's what the vote was about we need to tell them that god so loved the world That he gave his only son. That in heaven, all races will gather around, all colors will gather around, all languages will be there. We have an opportunity to be alternative to this idea that we'll send the refugees and the immigrants and the migrants and all those words that we might use home and we'll build a wall to make sure they don't come in. We have a chance to do that. Coming up to Christmas, we have a chance to say Jesus was a refugee. And we welcome refugees as we welcome him. We need to say to those who want to build walls, no walls in our grace and welcoming following of Jesus. And those who feel left behind and voted in protest, we need to listen to that. That is one of the things in the Brexit vote. That is one of the things that's been happening in the Trump vote that we need to hear those who've been alienated from whatever has been going on in the establishment up until now. Opportunities. And then to remember as we see the opportunities that God cares for us. That God is in it with us. That God loves, that God surrounds, and that God cares. In the midst of whatever, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. However, Let's not give any of this nonsense that, oh, well, don't worry about it, Steve, because really, the world just lets, just... God loves you. God cares for you. Passive trust in God is not Christian action, Jesus' action. Passive trust. Well, all that stuff's going on, I'll just sit here and God's going to look after me. Passive trust is not what Jesus called us to. It is a safety net for when we fall doing the Jesus thing. The Jesus thing is the witness we bear in words and in actions. The binding up like the good Samaritan did, the overturning of the tables like the Savior did, the bringing of the good news into the bad news of our world like we're called to do. That's the call. The care and the trust comes in a God that will see us when we fall, when we're knocked over, and all the different ways we might be persecuted as a result of doing the things that Jesus calls us to do. And then finally, it is about endurance. Peterson says, "'Even so, every detail of your body and soul, "'even the hairs of your head is in my care. "'Nothing of you will be lost.'" Staying with it. That's what is required. Stay with it to the end. You won't be sorry. You'll be saved. The travel narratives as we've looked at them over these last weeks. As we looked at them just a year ago through Lent. Tell us about the cost of following. The alternative life of the follower. The opposition that the follower will face. And the endurance of the follower to the end. And so in the midst of apocalypse. Whatever yours is personally. Whatever yours is in your house, whatever ours is in our city, in our country, whatever it is across the world. In the midst of apocalypse, let's gather around this table. Let's be aware of the one who is in our midst and who was broken and poured out. That we might be cared for, that we might endure and that we might have the opportunity in the midst of apocalypse. The opportunity to speak good news into bad, to shine a light in the dark, and to be love in the midst of hate. Whatever's going on in our world, let's pray. Lord, these things happen. Soul quakes in our lives. Literally in the personhood of self. In the home we live in. In our wider family. In our city. And in our world. Moments when a wind blows out of nowhere and knocks us off our feet. this morning your word speaks of opportunity to serve your word speaks of a belief in the fact that you care for us and your word calls us to endurance as we gather around this table Lord we pray that we would see your cross in the middle of our world Good news, light, love, hope to take back out into our world. Thank you, Lord, for incarnation, redemption, and resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.